and have a great time in that in Jesus' name. Um, at this time, I'd like to call Brother Luke up here. He's going to be preaching for just a few moments. And as he's making his way up here, why don't we put our hands together for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Why don't we transfer that hand clap over to the Lord? Isn't he worthy? Praise God. I'm going to start my time real quick so y'all don't not like me. All righty. Start off, obviously, I would like to give honor to your wonderful pastor who has taken me in this whole summer and uh, has just been absolutely wonderful. I'd also like to give honor to this wonderful church who has taken me in and treated me as one of their own, as one of their own members and um, I just thank you all so much for uh, so much respect and so much um, inviting and, and hospitality and everything. Um, I would also like to give honor to my pastor, Pastor Soto. He is my First Corinthians eleven one imitate. I do my best to imitate him as he imitates Christ through everything. That is my shepherd. That is my man of God. I love him very, very much. To start off tonight, I'm going to read one scripture. Uh, the scripture is found in Proverbs 23, 23. <clears throat> Proverbs 23, 23. It is uh, a proverb of Solomon, and it is something that I think will speak multitudes to the subject that I am speaking on tonight. Proverbs 23, 23 reads, Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Buy the truth and and sell it not, also wisdom and instruction and understanding. What I'm speaking on tonight is mission and vision and mission statements, to be more exact. Interstate Battery has the mission statement to glorify God and enrich lives as we deliver the most trustworthy source of power to the world. After I read that, I started using interstate batteries in my own car. Coca-Cola says, craft the brands and choice of drinks that people love to refresh them in body and spirit. JetBlue is to inspire humanity both in the air and on the ground. And this last one I hope you all know. To be a spirit-filled church where everyone can be transformed by the hope and healing promised through Jesus Christ, the Church of Omaha. <clears throat> That is our mission statement. This mission statement, which is rooted with its foundations in the Word of God. You know, I was on vacation uh, maybe about two weeks ago. And through that vacation, we were playing a game where we went. And the game was we had to, we had to do this uh, thing where if, if, if the ship went down... What's the first thing you would grab? And, and there, were, there were a ton of different answers. But the one that boggled my mind the most, that, that had close to a majority of it, was people said that they would grab their phone first. We're in Alaska where there's no cell reception. And your boat is going down in water. And the first thing people say they'd grab is their cell phone. Well, this got me thinking, what's the first thing that I want to grab when my personal ship goes down, when my life starts to go down? What's the first thing that I want to grab? 
And, and I, was, I was scrolling through the internet recently, and I saw a post that said, what if we treated our Bibles like we treated our phones? And that really convicted me. So this whole week, I've made it, I have made it my mission, my agenda, to everywhere my phone goes, my Bible goes. And, and, and what if we treated our Bibles like we treated our phones? You'd, you'd look weird if you didn't have a Bible with you because everybody, everybody has their phone with them. You'd look weird if you didn't have it with you. We would, we would read it before we go to bed. We'd read it when we wake up. We'd read it to check the times. We'd open text and we'd respond to the text just like we do with our phones. What would we do and how would we act if we treated our Bibles like our phones? So this whole week, every place that I went, my Bible went with me. If my phone was with me, my Bible was with me. If I left my phone in the car, I would still try to take my Bible with me, but I could leave that in the car. Everywhere, it went with me. And what if we treated our mission statement of our church like that? Where it wasn't just words on the hallway out there, but we took it everywhere we went. And we lived it. I'm talking about to be a spirit-filled church where everyone can be transformed by the hope and healing promised through Jesus Christ. Promised through Jesus Christ. What if we were mindful of the mission and we didn't just treat it as an afterthought? There's, there's a story in, in 1 Samuel chapter 4. I'm not going to read all the scriptures, but what I am going to talk about is that the Philistines went to battle with the Israelites. So, so Israel and their number one enemy, the Philistines, are battling in, in 1 Samuel chapter 4. And Israel loses. And they say, well, how, how can we lose? We're, we're the people of God. It's because they didn't have the Ark of the Covenant. So they said, we're going to go back and we're going to get the Ark of the Covenant. And, and that's what's going to correct us. That's what's going to make us win the battle. So they bring the Ark of the Covenant back to the camp where the Israelites were, and everybody shouted. Because they're like, oh, we're going to win now. We're guaranteed to win. We got, we got the Ark of the Covenant with us now. We got the glory of the Lord with us now. We're going to win the battle. But they lose even worse than the first time. And, and I, I was wondering, I was asking God, I said, God, why did they lose? How could they lose? They had you with them. You were with them, God. Why did they lose? And I felt him impress on me. He said, because I was an afterthought and not because I was at the front of their minds. What if we treated our mission statement not as an afterthought, but rather as a lifestyle, something to live by? To be a spirit-filled church where everyone can be transformed by the hope and healing promised through Jesus Christ. I mean, in a world of hurt and hopelessness, why can't we be a place of hope and healing? Why can't we? You know, I, when, when Brother Powell asked me to, to come for this internship, he said that we'd be doing a ton of different things, but predominantly we'd be doing some outreach efforts. And my desire, my dream, my calling is to be an evangelist. 
And so when he said evangelism efforts and outreach efforts, I jumped right on it. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's, let's do the door knocking. Let's do the door hanging. Let's talk to people. Let's, let's get all that going. And I think that your mission statement lines up so perfect with evangelism efforts. The, the key word that sticks out to me is everyone because everybody deserves a chance. They don't, they don't deserve anything but the truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. They don't deserve anything but our best, which is the mission of this church. We are one body. One faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. And what God has done is God has entrusted a man of God who has put other men of God and women of God around him to design this mission for this local establishment, this church. So we cannot separate mission from submission. We must be in line with the man of God over this church to complete this mission, to go through with it. But furthermore, you cannot separate mission from the great commission, which is rooted in the word of God. We must understand that we are called to go preach. We are called to go reach. We are, not everybody has a pulpit ministry, but everybody has a Jesus ministry. Everybody has a Jesus ministry. In regards to the part of transform, my mind immediately went to Romans 12, 1 through 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. My prayer for all of this evangelism outreach that we did this summer, my prayer for all the evangelism you guys continue to do, all the praise you guys continue to do, my prayer for your family, my prayer for your friends, my prayer for your neighbors, is that they can experience this verse. That they can experience the transforming of Jesus Christ that they can experience the hope and healing of Jesus Christ. When, when I got in church, when I got in church, one of the first things I remember God speaking to me, I, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I'm like, I just, I just felt that, and I know it wasn't me that had to be of God because it lines up with the Bible. I, I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world, right? God told me it's not about you. How can someone get so excited when they're told it's not about you? My first thought was I didn't care because I just heard from God. My second thought is how am I going to put this into practice? And immediately I thought, well, I can pray for others. What if you started praying for others like you prayed for yourself? That would transform them. That would bring them hope and healing. Why, why, why do you apostolics care so much? Why, why do you Pentecostals love so much? Why are you guys so nice out in public? Why do you act different? Why do you live different? Why are you the way you are? Because we believe the mission. We believe what Jesus Christ said and we believe what Jesus Christ has done in the local church and the local establishment. That's why we act different. So, so when I live my life the way I live my life, when I worship the way I worship, when I pray the way I pray, but not only that, when I go to Walmart, 
And when I'm driving on the street, and when I'm, when I'm having lunch with a coworker, and when I'm having a get-together with the neighbors, I do act different. I do live different because I believe the mission. I believe the mission so much that I got the opportunity to sign your guys' mission board because I'm sold out to the mission. Not only am I sold out, but I bought into the mission. Because I do believe it. Buy the truth. Sell it not. My plead for you tonight is to buy the mission. Sell it not. Don't let it just be an afterthought in what you do. Let it transform you, which is in the mission. Let it become you. Let it guide your lifestyle. I do believe the mission is rooted in the word of God. And I do believe the word of God is the final say for our lives. I do believe that the two go hand in hand walking together. I do believe that you can totally change your world, your personal world. You can transform your world by just living the mission. By just understanding that the words it says to be a spirit-filled church where everyone can be transformed by the hope and healing promised through Jesus Christ. I asked my pastor years ago, I said, Pastor, how do you create a culture? He said, repetition. Repetition. And some more repetition. My repetition is when I pass by that hallway, I like to reread that mission statement or go through it in my mind. I want it to become me. I want it to become a part of me that I can truthfully live the mission statement. It can be my mission. Because like I said, you cannot separate mission from commission. And when done properly, will lead to addition. This church will grow when we live our mission statement. I believe it. I believe it. So as I come to a close, I got a pen right here. I got it approved from Bishop that if you guys haven't signed that out there, but you want to buy into the mission and you believe the mission, I encourage every single person who hasn't signed it to go sign that board. If you'd like to sign it, you can see me after church. Um, Bishop gave me his pen to sign with it and stuff like that. And so that's, that's my plea for you. Live the mission. Let it become a part of you. Buy the truth. Sell it not. Buy into this mission and sell it not. If you could just raise your hands and receive that as Pastor Trevor comes. Come on, let's just receive that for a moment. Buy the truth and sell it not. We must live it out. We must live it out in our own lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Luke, for sharing your heart, sharing what the Lord had put on your heart for the people of God. Amen. And what a word it was. Amen. And I think... What I have for you tonight will definitely line up with that. We did not share notes with one another, but the Lord knew what he was doing, and we're just going to get right into uh, what I have for tonight. Uh, I do want to first say that for this month, um, during our time of Bible study together, I have felt impressed from the Lord to talk to you about the mission of the Church of Omaha. Amen. Amen. I told you, the Lord knows what he's doing. <laughs> 
So thank you, Brother Luke, for, for entering into that tonight. Um, you, you can find on our website, you can find spread throughout the church the vision, the mission, and the purpose statement of the Church of Omaha. Everywhere you look, as you're walking in the door, you see connect, grow, serve, and lead. In the admin wing, you see to be a spirit-filled church where everyone can be transformed. You see connect, grow, serve, and lead on the wall over here. You see it on the screen behind me every Sunday and every Wednesday during the announcements. You see it everywhere. The vision and mission and purpose of the Church of Omaha is to be a spirit-filled church where everyone can be transformed by the hope and healing promised through Jesus Christ, by connecting with God, growing in faith, serving others, and leading by example. And here's, what, here's, here's the last part. Daily. Daily. Every day, in other words. At every moment. As often as you think of it. And with that, the mission that is embedded into that is to connect with God to grow in faith, to serve others, and to lead by example. And as we travel together through these uh, this month, I am going to focus on our theme for 2023, which is others, and specifically how we as the body of Christ can help others connect with God, grow in faith, serve others, and lead by example. And to put kind of a title on, the month's, on this month's Wednesday night Bible study, as you'll see on the screen behind me, I will call this CGSL, The Mission to Others. And again, CGSL standing for Connect, Grow, Serve, and Lead. And since we have prayed already, let's go ahead and get into our study for tonight. Amen? Amen. So the question that I want to kind of focus on tonight to just kind of encapsulate some of this is this. How do I help others understand this mission so that they can live it out in their own lives? As the body of Christ, as I've stated, it is a part of our duty to help others understand it, to apply it, and to eventually make it completely a part of their lifestyle. But for us to do this, we as the body of Christ need to embody this mission in our own lives. We have to embody this ourselves. Now, I am somewhat careful to say that because some of you here today or watching online or watching later, or however you're viewing or watching this, are maybe very new to our church. You may be very new to salvation. You may be very new to the new birth. And thank God for the salvation you've experienced. You may be very new to the apostolic faith. And to that I say, thank you, Lord, that you are on this journey. Now, on the other side of the coin, you... Uh, it may have been 30 years ago that you were first born again of the water and the Spirit. It may be 30 years ago that you first felt God impress upon you that you must be born again. And to that also, I want to say thank you, Lord, that you are on this journey. But whether you have been on this journey with the Lord for three seconds or three decades, there is one common denominator besides the Lord which I would say is a given. And that is that you are all on this journey. Furthermore, you are all on this journey together. And as we journey through this month and discuss CGSL, I want you, I want you to keep in mind how you, as the body of Christ, can help others understand. If you're taking notes over the course of the next few weeks, I would encourage you to write in big letters at the top of your notes, how can I help others understand? 
And one of the scriptures we bring out from the Bible that talks about others comes from Jude 23, which reads, And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. From all of these points of helping others and of everything we will learn, we must be leaders. We must be leaders. We must lead by example in how we connect with God. We must lead by example in how we grow in faith. We must lead by example in how we serve others. And the first thing that I, I want to say about that is that is when we are leading others by example in all of these, there is no big I and little you. There is no big I and little you. We are all in this together. We are all working together for one purpose, with one goal in mind. In the book of Luke, chapter 19, Zacchaeus felt a tug from the Lord who stood before him to repent of the wrong he had done and repay what he had taken in error. And then Jesus declared in verses 9 and 10, saying, And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. We, who are to be a reflection of him to others, must put on that same mindset to seek and save that which is lost. To lead others to Christ. To pull others from the fire. To hate even the garment spotted by the flesh. And to do all of this together. When we think about doing these things together, it is not that everyone is called to be a pastor. It's not that everyone's called to be an evangelist. It's not that everyone's called to be a teacher in Sunday school. It's not that everyone's called to be a youth worker. It's not that everyone's called to do administrative work in the church. It's not that everyone feels a call to clean the church. It's not that everyone is called to do this or that. Because not everyone is called to do everything. For if everyone could do everything, then there would be no need for Paul to write about the building being fitly framed together. Now, to kind of give you a laugh, and I, I wrote this in here and I debated whether or not to say it, uh, some, some of you that I have talked to have, have kind of joked around with me that I wear many hats here at the Church of Omaha. Sometimes I have to, you know, balance them a little bit because sometimes I have to wear more than one, right? But, and I do, but, but I don't wear them all, okay? Pastor Lucas, you wear many hats in the church, but you don't wear them all, right? Yes. <laughs> we don't wear all the hats, and thankfully we don't. We, there, we, we serve, I serve, we, this, this church is, is a church that serves and, and has the ability and is willing to do what it takes to become one body, to be that fitly framed together. You see, in order for a building to be fitly framed together, all of the components must fit together. I know that may go without saying, but, but if a component does not fit, then the builder must figure out why it's not fitting and will make the necessary changes to make sure that it fits. Meanwhile, the rest of the building 
The body, the, the church sees and understands the same thinking. Oh, yeah, they, they'll fit right here. Oh, oh, yeah, they'll fit really good over here. They, they hear the, the, the burden of the people, and, and they fit them in where they fit. And we all fit together and, and because they are all of the same mind. Maybe there needs to be a little trimming over here or a little bit more taken off or a little cutting done over here or maybe a re-measurement here or there or, or a correcting over here. But, but it's all with the body, the building as a whole in mind. To continue to make sure that this building, that this body is fitly framed together and growing closer to the Lord. Now, regarding the big I and the little you, there is something that I know some of you have probably heard a lot about and might be thinking, yeah, I know not to think that way. I already know about this, Trevor. Maybe I'm wrong. But, but there can be a tendency in the church to compare ourselves to others. Oh, boy. He's reading my mail. To that I say, yeah, I am reading your mail, Trevor. I am reading your mail. I read it every day. So forgive my super transparency, but allow me to be transparent for a moment. But sometimes I can find myself comparing myself to other people. And if one is not careful, when they do this, they can send themselves down a terrible spiral of, I'll never be good enough. I'll never be as good as so-and-so. I'll never measure up. And sometimes this can transfer into, over into how, how God views them. It, it can transfer into how they think that God views them. If I'm not doing as good as Colin, then... I'm not good enough in the eyes of the Lord. If I'm, not doing, if I'm not measuring up to Jeff, then I'm not good enough in the eyes of the Lord. And the spiral down continues and it continues and can really send a person into places that I don't think they want to go. But find themselves there after a certain amount of time. To the point that one forgets that they're created in the image of God. To the point that they are basically questioning God and telling Him how He created them is not good enough. I was describing it to somebody as a kind of a, a slap in the face to God saying, yeah, uh, it's just not good enough how you're doing it, Lord. Now, that's not to say that there's not room for growth. We all need to continue to grow, amen? Let's not say there's no room for change that's needed or because we, we should never really grow complacent in our relationship with him. We should always be drawing nearer and nearer to him. And as we do, these things continue to fall away because there's less room for those as you make more room for God. We should always strive to be more like him. Well, but, but where you are at right now with God, each and every one of you in this room, and those watching online and those that watch later and so forth, if you are seeking Him daily, hear me, is right where you need to be. This is right where you need to be. Right where you're at at this very moment is where you need to be. Now, and while this may sound cliche, I, I'm going to say it anyway, trust 
his process for you. We're all, we all have different processes that the Lord maybe brings us through. But that's just it. We all have, again, that, that common denominator of the Lord who is with us, who is molding us and shaping us continually into his image, right? And some days are a little more rough than others. Some days you're like, oh, another thing? And other days you're like, wow, this day's really a walk in the park. I must be doing really good today. But those days happen, right? Both and everything in between. And what I want to say, too, is that, you know, on the flip side of things, maybe you find yourself as a person that others want to emulate. To which I would say, keep, keep leading those around you. There's a reason why those people would like to be like you, to follow you as you follow Christ, to be a good example. But, but I want us to look at something that Paul wrote concerning comparing ourselves to one another. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10. And when you got it, say amen. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12, which I'm reading from the New King James. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves, comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Five times in that verse alone, you see the term themselves. And I read that over and over, and I'm like, wow. But what's missing in this verse? What's, what's missing as they compare themselves to one another. You see, Paul was referring to the critics who had these very high and lofty claims about themselves. And since quite a few people were impressed, Paul felt it necessary to expose what was behind their boasting. They were inventing their own criteria for success. They were taking God out of the equation and essentially putting themselves in the place of God. Putting themselves in the place of God. And as we just read in verse 12, we read the themselves, 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 themselves. And they were comparing themselves among themselves. And how do I measure up with them? And how do I measure up with her or him or, or whoever they are? And oh, good, they're, they're struggling with this or that. that. That means that I'm doing better. Oh, I see that th them not doing so well over here. That's never been a struggle for me. That must mean I am better than they are. They removed God from the equation. But Paul writes just a few verses later in verse 17 of a standard for boasting that we must utilize today. But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Say, in the Lord. Thank you. For not he who commends himself is approved but whom the Lord commends. But whom the Lord commends. Many of the translations translate verse 17 as let him boast in the Lord. Paul introduces the correct instrument for measure. 
Like Paul, we must refuse the man-made measuring sticks and insist on boasting not about mere human accomplishments. Now, do I feel like I have accomplished things in this life? Yes, I do. Do you feel that you have accomplished many things in this life? It's okay to say, yeah, I feel like I have too. Uh, and I'm sure that you have, but, but, but these accomplishments, while they may be grand, and they make a person feel good about themselves, you know, I, I've, I've received my associate's degree from TBC. I, I'm going to receive my bachelor's degree here in a few months. I've climbed the, uh, the employment ladder at my job to get where I'm at. I can choose to boast about these things. I hope you didn't see that as boasting because I wasn't. I was just giving you an example. But, but I can choose to boast about these things. But then I'm reminded that all of these ail in comparison. They ail in comparison to understanding and knowing the Lord. You see, the prophet Jeremiah reminded Israel of just that. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight. Oh, and when I read that last verse, for in these I delight, says the Lord. The Lord delights in those who understand and know him. The Lord delights in those who understand His loving kindness, His judgment, and His righteousness on this earth. And we remember that our righteousness is but what? Filthy rags, thank you, compared to the Lord. But as we continue to lift Him up, as we continue to to understand His loving kindness, as we, uh, as we continue to understand His judgment and, and to place these things uh, where they belong and, and to continue to get our understanding in Him, uh, so He delights in you. Just the thought of the Lord delighting in me further encourages me to glory in Him for everything. You know, going back to what I was saying just a few moments ago of all these things that I've done, none of these would have happened had it not been for the Lord. In fact, I wouldn't be here today had it not been for the Lord some ten years ago where I was slain in the Spirit over here on this side of the room somewhere and the Lord just got a hold of me in such a way. <laughs> I wouldn't be here today if it weren't the Lord. So I, I have no choice. Well, I do have a choice. But I have no choice but to give Him glory. I have no choice but to give Him the honor that is due to Him. I have no choice because without Him, I am nothing. Without Him, I have nothing. Without Him, I, I, I can do nothing. But with Him, I can do all things.
through him <laughs> who gives me strength. I can do all things through him. Uh, and oh, just, just going back to that delight for just another moment, just the thought of the Lord delighting in me further pushes me to just continue to lift him up over everything in my life. You know, I may be having some struggles in my home. There, there may be some really bad leaks happening in my home, and I may have to get my roof replaced soon, but you know what? I'm still going to glory in the Lord. I'm still going to Remember that he delights in me, that he's never going to leave me or forsake me. Who am I talking to tonight? Because you may be going through some kind of a struggle right now, but continue to remember that the Lord delights in you. Remember that the Lord will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. You see, he walks with you at all times. Oh, who am I preaching to? He walks with you at all times. He's closer than a brother. You know, Pastor Lucas, you can walk really close to me, but the Lord is closer. You know why? Because he enters the very depths of your heart where most people cannot go. And he says, I want to reside there. I want to be there with you. I want to be there with you in your lowest valleys. I want to be there with you on your highest mountaintops and everywhere in between. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord, somebody. Ah, You know, I'm going to put them above my accomplishments, but I'm also going to put them above my failures. I'm going to put them above my highest mountains, but I'm also going to put them above my lowest valleys. Oh, that the Lord would find delight in me, that I would be acceptable in His sight. And to bring that all back around, when we boast in the Lord, it takes the spotlight off of us and puts it where it belongs, on the Lord. So the way I see that is a sort of a leveling of the playing field when we're all boasting in the Lord. When we see this leveling of the playing field, we can know that so long as I am boasting in the Lord and His wondrous things that that are happening in my life, and so long as you are boasting in the Lord for what He's done for you, so we can come together having that one common denominator, the Lord at the center of it all. And when we together truly put the Lord at the center of it all, keeping Him as our main focus, as our main target, as our end all, so that is where we find unity. That is where we find unity. And as we move through 2023 and keep living, breathing, and being our theme and vision and mission for 2023, which is others and connecting with God, growing in faith, serving others and leading by example, and the years to come with the themes that will happen year after year, and how unity has to be one of those things that must top the list, top the list to, to see those things come to pass. We must embody those things, to see those themes come to pass year after year. And they really overflow and they keep going because once you, once you put it on, you don't want to take it off, right? You just want to keep flowing with it. So it's something that we make into our lifestyle so we can continue. It doesn't have to end on December 31st, 2023. It can go on for as long as you'd like it to. We must always be, oh, <laughs> we must always be of the others mindset no matter if it's 2023 24 25 or until the Lord comes again you see Paul writes in the first uh, Thessalonians 5 11 wherefore comfort yourselves together 
and edify one another even as also ye do. In unity with one another, there is comfort for one another. There is edifying one another. To comfort means to encourage, to exhort, to call for, to admonish, to console. To find that in yourself, but also to be that for others. To find that in yourself, but to be that for others. Hey, hey you, I I know what you're going through. Can I walk beside you? Can I help you? Hey, you told me the other day that you you had a rough day. You want to go grab a cup of coffee or something? Little acts of comforting one another, praying for one another, go a long ways. This comfort that which first comes from the Lord, who, if you recall, said that he would not leave you comfortless, right? He will come to you. He will come to you by his spirit, that spirit which you receive, that which is evidenced in you, by speaking of other tongues, of tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Amen? All right. That comfort that, that, that we desire, you desire comfort from Him, that comfort can only be found in Him. And when we have that comfort, and there's a person in need, and let me just talk about that for a little bit. The church is also referred to as a body, Right? So, so when you think of a body, you think about the hands, the feet, the mouth, the ears, the nose, the shoulders, and you may find yourself doing the actions of head, shoulders, knees, and toes, you know, doing something like that. Not that I want to get a song stuck in your head, but if there's one to get stuck, there it is. So, but, but, but someone tell me, if you are walking around in the middle of the night and you stub your pinky toe on the corner of that china cabinet that you inherited from your great uncle... You know, the one that you brought into your house just the night before and you couldn't find a place for it, so you put it in the middle of your living room for the night? When you stub your toe, Pastor Lucas, is it just your toe that hurts? No, no, I, I, don't, I don't think it is. I know for me, I can remember one time in particular that I really did a number to my toe. I was rushing in the middle of the night to rescue a child who was, who was wailing in their bedroom. And I'm like, oh, got to get to him as fast as I can until I hit that proverbial door jam. And I'm like, oh, I still got to go. I still got to keep going. That'll preach in itself, too, because even though I was hurt, we kept going. Hallelujah. <laughs> I still had to keep moving. I didn't put it aside. The pain was still there, and it bruised for three months on end, but, but I still got to where I needed to go. It wasn't just the pinky toe that hurt. (laughs) No, my whole body winced in pain. My whole body said, oh, something isn't right. What just happened? My whole body began to focus on what is one of the littlest members of my body. I feel to preach in my spirit just a little bit. Just like my whole body felt the pain from my little toe being jammed... We as the body of Christ, when we are in unity with one another, when we are in one accord with one another, we feel when someone is struggling. Furthermore, when we know someone is struggling, it may not be a direct feeling of 
who exactly is struggling, but you may feel that pain. You may feel that need. You may not know who, but you get a feeling that there is a struggle, that there is a pain, that somebody has a need. We, you know, and you may, if you know who it is, we may run to their aid if God has showed you who it is. We may run to rescue them if God has showed you who. There may be times when your brother or sister has had a struggle this week, and maybe you felt the need to pray for them. Well, you better just go ahead and pray for them. You may have felt a push to give them a call and just say hello. Well, you better just go ahead and submit to that because I believe that it's the Lord that impresses people onto your mind to reach out to, to pray for. Hallelujah. It's not something to where, you know, to where you come with any certain expectation of how this person's going to respond. For if we gauged how we connect with people based on their response... There would be a lot of us hesitant to reach out to those people in the first place. Well, I, I got a hold of so-and-so the other day, and they didn't really seem like they wanted to talk to me. I don't, and maybe you felt impressed by the Lord to call them again, and you didn't because you felt, well, they didn't really talk to me last time. But you never know. You just never know. As you feel led of the Lord... To, to contact these people, to, to pray for these people, to lift them up in your prayers, to intercede for them, so do it as the Lord leads you. We should stand beside them. We should walk beside them if they're struggling and carry and bear those burdens and carry those burdens of the brother or sister in need. Because hear me, two is greater than one, right? And when I thought about bearing another's burdens, and I, and I, may, I may chop this story up just a little bit, but I was reminded of a story that, that uh, my father-in-law told me not too long ago that, that there was a man who would drive the church van to church and um, he, would, he would go pick up kids around the neighborhood and, and bring them to Sunday school or power hour or whatever they may have called it. Well, one day a little boy got into this van full of kids and appeared to not be doing very well. So, so the man questioned him asking, are you feeling okay? The boy replied, yeah, my head kind of hurts. To which the little girl that was sitting beside him spoke up at the moment and said, I think we should pray for him, that God would take his pain away. The man thought about it and obliged, but also added, let's also pray that he does not have to bear this burden alone. And as they began to pray and finished praying, the man Driving the van started to feel just a tinge of a headache. Manageable, but a tinge of a headache. He imagined and wondered if anyone else in the church van was also feeling a little tinge of a headache. Because shortly after that, the little boy claimed to be feeling a lot better. Sometimes, church, you may be walking alongside someone on their journey. And you may have to bear that burden with them for a moment but it's lighter than what it would have been for one person to carry. And as you can imagine, if you can imagine 10, 20, 30 or more people bore that, a part of that burden that the person was carrying, the body of Christ, the body of Christ coming together, focusing on the hurting member, making sure 
that this hurting member is, is properly taken care of, that, that, they, that they get back into working order, so, so maybe there's no more pain there, but, but we walk beside them and understand there, there may always be someone in need over here, or there may be someone over there that always has a need, and I want to speak to that person who maybe has a need here tonight. There should never be a time where you are embarrassed or ashamed of the way you are affected by the world's sin and brokenness. There should never be a time where you don't feel like you can open up to someone with your need. You matter. Your needs matter. Your pain is felt and you don't have to bear that alone. We as the body of Christ come together and pray for you. There have been times where the body of Christ came together for a need that I had. And it did not hinder the unity, but rather it strengthened it as a whole. It strengthened the building together. It further edified the body. It further encouraged the body to keep fitly framed together. We have the privilege of building together this temple of God in which we are living stones. Hallelujah. So the vision of the Church of Omaha is to be a spirit-filled church where everyone can be transformed by the hope and healing promised through Jesus Christ. That is who we are. The mission is to connect, grow, serve, and lead. That is the boots on the ground to fulfill the vision. This year's theme, being others, is encapsulated by the overall vision and the mission, and it is fulfilled by being and embodying both. And as we travel through these four uh, different uh, things in, in the mission, connecting, growing, uh, serving others, and leading by example, I, I want to encourage you to Take some inventory in yourselves and ask yourself, am I embodying this in my life? If you have questions about connecting with God, growing in faith, serving others, and leading by example, I want to take this month and I want to answer those questions. Um, if the media team will put that screen up behind me and, and also put it up on the live stream for those to see there. This is my cell phone number, 308-991-1199. Please text or call me with any questions you have about connecting with God, growing in faith, serving others, and leading by example. And this month, I, like I said before, I will answer those questions. We will have sort of a, not really a panel, because I'll come with those questions already, but I want to answer those because my my goal that, that the Lord has impressed on me this month is to help you understand so you can help others understand the mission. You don't have to tell me who you are when you text me. You can remain anonymous if you wish to, but, but when you text me, I will text back a simple thank you for your question. That way you know it's me. Uh, media team, if you could just keep that up there until the end of service. Um, and if there be something that needs a little bit of adjustment, you know, we, we might have to trim a little bit here and there. Guess what? That's okay. The way I see it is like this. There's no shame in realizing that eh, I need a little work in this area or maybe I need to do a little bit more work over here. And remembering all along that the church, the body of Christ, we are all together on this journey. What it's not is me standing way up here and Brother Terry 
sitting way back there and me saying, come on, Terry, you can do it. Nope, watch. No, church, it's me taking my brother's hand or his arm and we walk together. You know, I'm going to say something right now that it doesn't really do a lot of good for me to stand way up here and say, hey, Tim, I know you're back there, but you can make your way up here. No, I've got to get him too. I've got to walk with him because I don't know what kind of struggles he may see along the way. And it's not only me that's walking with him now, but it's Brother Terry. And as we pick up Brother Jeff, as we walk up here, he may be a little further along, but he sees us and he's like, oh, we're going to continue to walk together. We've got to stay together, church. We've got to stay in unity in this place, church. We've got to be in one accord before the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, gentlemen. So I wonder if we can just take... The last, I know it's 8 o'clock, but I want us to pray. You know, it's, I want us to pray just for a minute, and I want us to stand all over this place as we pray. And if it's appropriate, please get the person next to you and pray with them. Grab a brother or a sister, and I just want us to pray a real prayer of unity in this place, a prayer of, the, uh, of togetherness in this place. Lord Jesus, you are the author, and you are the finisher of our faith, oh God. Lord, I speak unity over this church right now like never before, Lord Jesus. Lord, Lord, help us to understand the importance of being united together for your purpose. The importance of being united together for the vision of the Church of Omaha, for the mission of the Church of Omaha. How we must embody this together. How we must walk together. How there is no big I and little you. How we must do these things together. And as we embody what you've called us to be, oh, we will continue to be fitly framed together. We will continue to to walk on this journey together. Lord, I pray right now for a sensitivity to fall on those who have, who have felt to pray for others before and maybe didn't, Lord, impress it upon them to keep doing that and to continue doing that and to do it if they haven't done it before, Lord Jesus. Lord, there is such a, a spirit of unity in this place and we do not want that to die. Lord, we want that to thrive right here in this place. Lord Jesus, if there's anything that may be causing disunity, I, I speak it out of here in this place. I bind it right now in the name of Jesus. I bind the spirit of disunity. I bind the spirit of jealousy. I bind the spirit of gossip. I bind these things that are not of you, Lord. You want your church to be unified and for your church to be unified. Sometimes we've got to put these things aside. All times we've got to put these things aside that may cause a lack of unity. And Lord, I just pray right now a blessing over everyone that is here tonight, Lord Jesus. Lord, that you would continue to bless them as they serve you, as they seek you, as they reach for you, as they call on your name, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. In your precious name we pray. And everybody shout, amen. Hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Lord, everybody. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. And we will see you Sunday at 10.30. Uh, media team, if you'll keep that up there for just a little bit, uh, for those that maybe didn't get it, um, please text me with those questions, and I can't wait to answer them.